following message is from the audio ministry of Coastal Community Church. We trust you'll find it helpful and encouraging. Now, here's Pastor Chris Rollins. Man, I'll be honest with you, a lot more people showed up today than I thought there would. So, <laughs> we're glad that you're here. We actually played around with the idea of really trying to figure out what we were going to do. Uh, for today's service, but I'm glad we decided just to uh, push forward. Glad that you guys are here today. And again, I'd like to welcome everybody online who's watching us from the uh, uh, warmth of your home. It's warm here too. Everybody say, everybody may give a loud scream to everybody watching online. Give, give them a big shout out. Go ahead, do that right now. Woo! Let you know that you're here. Okay. Um, we are kicking off a new series today uh, called Impact. And uh, the goal of this series is to equip you and I to make an impact. Uh, in our everyday life. You know, we say this a lot, where you live, work, and play. And uh, today, I want us to talk about how your story can change the world. Uh, somebody once said that a picture is worth what? A, a thousand words. But a good story is worth a thousand pictures. Uh, I like that. I think that's true because stories are powerful. They are. And this is what you need to hear loud and clear today. You ready for this? Your story is powerful. Your story is powerful. And if you will uh, learn how to share your story, if you're prepared to, to share your story, God will use you and your story in incredibly powerful ways. You can make an impact. Now, to do that today, I want us to look at one of my favorite stories, and we've looked at this story uh, over the years here at Coastal, a uh, time or two. It's, it's, it's found in John uh, chapter 9, and uh, it's a story of this dude uh, who was blind. In fact, he was born blind, um, and yet he had a life-changing encounter with Jesus, turned his world upside down, got sight, and made a tremendous impact. Now, before um, we do that, before I really get into the story in particular, I want to let you know, kind of tell you why uh, this story has come to be uh, one of my favorite stories. Because, you know, I'll say that, you know, preachers say that, oh, this is one of my favorite stories. You're like, man, like every story is your favorite story. You say that all the time. Uh, but this one really is one of my favorite stories. But I have kind of a, a story that goes along with it, why it's so um, uh, important to me. Um, when Jan and I first got married, and uh, I was still in Bible college, we were living in Atlanta, going to Atlanta Christian College, and um, Janet uh, was working as a teacher at a private school for uh, children with learning disabilities, and uh, to put myself through college and to provide for my family, uh, I got a job as the uh, hospitality house manager for South Fulton County Hospital. Some of you might not have known that. Uh, and I, I did, I had a, as any other Bible college student, I had some internships at um, a couple of different churches and preached and worked with students and things like that. But uh, my kind of my main job all through uh, college was the hospitality house manager. Now, the hospitality house basically was a smaller version of the Ronald McDonald house. Okay? So if anybody got injured, sick, had a heart attack, or had some sort of an emergency at the Atlanta airport, they automatically sent them to South Fulton County Hospital uh, because it was the closest hospital. And uh, so the hospitality house was just a couple of streets away uh, from that particular hospital. And um, basically, the idea was that we provided housing for the family members 
of the patients who were admitted. And you would be surprised, maybe you wouldn't be surprised by the numbers of people who get sick, injured, have some sort of emergency while they're traveling, especially at the Atlanta airport. Um, so the way it would work is that I would typically get a phone call any time of the day uh, from the hospital, typically it'd be from like the ER nurse, because that's kind of where they would come into. So whoever was the ER charge, they would give me a call and uh, tell me about the situation and ask me if we had any beds available, any rooms available. And uh, if we had space, uh, I would go over to the hospital and uh, pick them up, uh, pick up the family members, you know, introduce myself, try to make them feel comfortable, and uh, bring them back to our home. And uh, we could house about, you know, 12 to 15 people. And there'd be stretches where, you know, we would be full all the time, and then there'd be stretches where uh, we wouldn't have anybody. But it was, a, honestly, it was a great, great experience. It was a great experience uh, and a great job. Uh, we lived in the house. Um, we kind of lived on the back of the house. There was like a, a porch that would have been closed in. Uh, but we had access to the entire house, the kitchen, and uh, we lived uh, there for free. Uh, so that was awesome, you know, as a Bible college student, a young couple. Uh, but basically, we provided care, kept the house clean. Um, and again, the, the exchange was, or the, the benefit for us is, again, free room and board, didn't have to pay utilities, anything like that. It was a great gig, you know, for a young couple starting out, for me going to Bible college. Uh, and we got to meet people from all over the country, all over the world. Um, and it taught me a lot about caring for people and about loving people. Uh, especially during a storm, you know, during a difficult part, part of their life. And th those are kind of things you can't learn, you know, in college, in a classroom, in a book. And uh, so I got a firsthand experience, you know, just doing that and living that. And so it was awesome. Well, while I was in college, in fact, it was during my senior year, I was taking an elective class on the Gospel of John. And as from one of my, one of my favorite uh, professors, I was really excited about this class. And the way this class worked was that it was kind of a smaller class. Um, but each student in the class uh, was assigned a portion of Scripture all throughout the Gospel. And uh, you would have to write a paper on that particular section of Scripture, and then you, then you would bring your paper to the class and present it to the class. Everybody would get a copy of it, and uh, we would present it to the class. Well, one of the portions that I was assigned uh, was this story right here in John chapter 9. And, uh, and so I just, I remember, you know, just studying and reading everything I could about this passage, you know, the historical context and, you know, just everything I could about what was going on here in John chapter 9 for this paper. Um, but I'll be honest with you, the part of the story that I just couldn't shake, I mean, I mean and I'm serious, it just really made an impact on me was what it must have been like to actually have been the man in this story. And I, and I just kept thinking about that a lot, you know, while I was studying and writing this paper, and, and what would it have been like to be blind? And I started personalizing it, you know, what would it be like if I lost my sight? Or, like the guy in this story, what would it be like to never have experienced sight? To be born that way, not know what, you know, the beauty of a, you know, freshly fallen snow looks like or a horizon or a sunset or your child or anything. And, and the truth is, I think one of the reasons why it had a, you know, impact on me and I spent a lot of time, you know, thinking and praying about this was that I, I honestly had never spent any time 
any significant time at all with anybody who was blind. I don't know if anybody here you know, has experience with that, but at that point in my life, I definitely uh, did not. So for a couple of days, I'm working on this paper. That is all I could think about. I mean, I went to bed you know, thinking about it, dreamed about it, woke up thinking about it, and uh, you know, had to write this paper. So on one particular night uh, during that time, you know, I finally stayed up late and just you know, dug in. I'm going to write this paper and get it done. Finally got it done. And uh, had gone to bed about two in the morning. Janet's already asleep, and um, you know I got my paper done, and I had a, l- a little difficulty, you know, getting to bed because you know some, I don't know if you're like me, but you know you had a project to complete, and you know, I'm just amped up. I mean, I am. I'm just like amped up, and I'm thinking about this guy and thinking about my paper, and I got to present it to the class and all that. And so I finally drift off to bed about three in the morning, and uh, I get a phone call from the hospital. And uh, the, the call, just like normal, came in from the, the head ER uh, charge nurse. And, uh, she, you know, kind of the regular routine, she asked me if there were any beds available. And I told her that there, was, that there were. And, um, and she started to explain to me how she had an elderly man with her whose wife had had a heart attack uh, in the airport. And uh, so they're just traveling together, the two of them. Wife has a heart attack. He needs a place to stay. So she gives me all the details. And, and I tell her that, okay, well, you know, I'll get dressed. I'll be over in about, you know, 15, 20 minutes to come pick him up. And that's pretty normal, even in the middle of the night. Like I said, it's really just a couple of streets, you know, up the road. And, uh, and then she said this. She goes, well, Chris, you didn't call me Pastor Chris yet. Nobody called me that yet. But anyway, she goes, well, Chris, we do have one problem. And I said, what's that? And she said, He's blind. And I went, what? (laughs) Are you serious? And I was like, man, he's blind. And I mean, I just like, I was yelling, woke Janet up. And I'm like, are you serious? This is a prank. This is a prank, isn't it? You know, and I I just got like, I was all excited. I jumped out of bed. I got dressed, you know. I'm like, Janet's like, what? What's wrong? What are you doing? I'm going to pick up a blind man, you know. And she's like, okay, bring it down, you know, a notch or two. And I was all excited. I got dressed. I go, I, I, you know, get over to the ER about as fast as I could. And the guy was really easy to spot, okay. He was like, you know, he's blind, but, you know, he was an old dude. He's sitting in there. He's wearing the dark glasses. He's got the cane. I mean, everything. And so, you know, I, I run up to him and I introduce myself. And uh, I mean, I'm, I'm just, I could barely contain my excitement, you know. So, but I introduce myself. I escort him to my car, you know, escort him, you know, drive over to our little house and, and get him inside, get him acclimated, had to, you know, kind of walk him around and show him where all some of the main things were. And um, I, I, I mean, I was so amped up. Finally, I just had to tell him what was going on. So he's probably thinking, this guy's a little pumped up for three in the morning, you know. And uh, so finally I said, listen, um, you know, I, I told him about me being in Bible college and I uh, told him about me studying to be a pastor. And by this point, you know, we'd already planned to, you know, launch uh, the Start Coastal Community Church. So I was telling him about that. And uh, I started telling him about how I was taking this class on the Gospel of John, and I don't even know this guy from, you know, I don't know him obviously from Adam, you know, and I don't know anything about him other than he's blind, and, um, and I said, well, I've got to write this paper on, uh, from John chapter 9, and I don't know if you have any, I, you know, I don't even know if you've ever read the Bible, you know, but uh, it's the story of where Jesus heals this man uh, who's been blind, who's blind his entire life. And I said, man, I've been, you know, thinking about it, praying about it, and I get the phone call, and I come and pick you up. And he gets this big smile on his face. He's kind of an older guy, and he goes, 
he, he said, you know what, Chris? And I, you know, I already told my name and everything. You know what, Chris? I knew that God had a reason for me being here today. And he starts telling me how he was a Christian. He's very familiar with, uh, with John chapter 9. In fact, he listens to the Bible regularly. He actually has a, a Braille Bible. He's very familiar with Braille. And um, he said, he told me that while he was sitting there in the emergency room, waiting on me to come pick him up, he was praying. He said, obviously, I was praying for my wife and praying about this situation. He goes, but before you walked in the door, this is what I prayed. I said, God, how are you going to use this experience today? And he said this, how are you going to use this story today for your glory? And then I come in, you know? And uh, So anyway, it just, it was so unbelievable. I mean, the next day, I show up at, at, at the Bible, my Bible college, you know, to present my paper. I'm like, blind man came to my house. You know, there's like a chorus or something. I was like singing about this. Ton of, I made an A on my paper. I was all excited. And, uh, you know, I, I just share that story just to let you know that um, everybody has a story. And uh, what we're going to discover today is how God is going to use your story for his glory, okay? Follow along as I read John chapter 9, verse 1. As Jesus was walking along, he saw a man who had been blind from birth. Teacher, his disciples asked him, why was this man born blind? Listen to this. This is their question. Was it a result of his own sin or the sin of his parents? Now stop right there for a second. That was actually a, a commonly held belief in that day, you know, that if something was wrong with your child, um, you know, if there was an illness or a blindness or something like that, um, it was because of either, believe it or not, they believed that that child could sin in the womb or that the parents sinned, okay? So Jesus sets the record straight. Look what he says in verse 3. It was not because of his sin or parents' sin, Jesus answered him. He was born blind so that the power of God could be seen in him. But while I am still here in the world, I am the light of the world. And now listen to what he did. Then he spit on the ground and he made mud with the saliva and he smoothed the mud over the, the blind man's eyes. He told him, go wash yourself in the pool of Siloam. So the man went and washed and came back seeing. He was healed. His neighbors and others who knew him as a blind beggar asked each other, is this the same man? That beggar? Some said he was, and others said, no, no, he just looks like him. And the beggar kept saying, I am the same man. Now, you got to kind of get into what was going on in these guys' minds. I mean, you know, they've known this guy, seen this guy for years, and he's only been known as the blind guy, right? He is the blind beggar. And now, all of a sudden, he's walking around with sight, and they're like, man, is that him? That cannot be him. They asked, who healed you? What happened? He told them, the man they called Jesus made mud and spread it over my eyes and told me, go to the pool of Siloam and wash off the mud. I went and washed and now, what does he say? Now I can see. Now what happens next though is that the religious leaders, the Pharisees don't exactly take this very well. Uh, Jesus at this point is kind of gaining a following you know, some notoriety, some popularity. They don't like that. They're, uh, you know, they're feeling uh, anxious about that, worried about that. And so uh, they begin to argue with this guy uh, in order to trap Jesus because he had, Jesus performed this miracle. He healed him on the Sabbath, okay? So he worked, and that was a no-no. 
And verse 24 says this, So for the second time they called in the man who had been born blind and told him, Give glory to God and tell the truth, because we know Jesus is a sinner. Again, they're trying to trap him. Verse 25, the man says, I don't know whether he is a sinner or not, the man replied, but I know this. Now underline this next phrase, highlight it, star it, you know, what does he say? I was blind, and now what? I can see. Now, the questioning actually goes on for a little while uh, by the Pharisees. Uh, you know, they, they just ask him a bunch of questions, and they end up throwing him out of the synagogue. Beginning in verse 35. When Jesus heard what had happened, he found the man and said, Do you believe in the Son of Man? The man answered, Who is he, sir? Because I would like to. You have seen him. Jesus said, and he is speaking to you. Yes, Lord, the man said, I believe. And he worshiped Jesus. Man, what an amazing story. I mean, this, this, this guy had spent his entire life unable to see, blind beggar. And then suddenly he meets Jesus and everything changes. You know, he didn't have all the answers. He couldn't answer everybody's questions. You know, you read the story, basically he just keeps repeating over and over, okay, here's what I know. I was blind, you all know that. And now I can see. They couldn't deny a changed life. They couldn't deny a miracle. He's like, you know, this is what I was, okay? You all know me, you know, and this is what I am now. And the difference is Jesus. You can respond however you want to. There's so much here for us in this story. You know, you, you and I don't have to know all of the answers to people's questions to have an impact, to make an impact. And listen, I am convinced that everybody here wants that. Everybody wants their life to be impactful. Everybody here wants their life to make a difference. Listen, and if you're going to make a difference in the lives of people around you for faith, for Jesus, you don't have to have all the answers. You just have to have the ability to tell people how your life has been changed. This is who I was. You all know it. You saw it. This is who I am now. But the difference is, is Jesus. And if you are a follower of Jesus, if you're a believer, if you have asked Christ to come into your life, you've stepped over the line of faith, listen to me. You have a story. You have a story to tell. And God will use your story to make an impact in the lives of people around you. In fact, let me give you the first of uh, several impact principles that we're going to look at in this series. The first one today is this. My story is a powerful tool that God will use to make an impact. In other words, your testimony, your story of how you came to know Jesus, man, that is a powerful, powerful thing that God can use to lead others to faith. Now, sure, absolutely, there are going to be people in your life who have questions, Absolutely, there are going to be people in your life who will doubt. There might even be a few Pharisees in your life who will want to argue with you. But some 
will be amazed. Some will believe. So here's what I want to ask you today. Are you ready? Are you prepared? And are you willing to share your story with the people that God has put in your life? You see, your story can change the world. Your story can make an impact. One. One life at a time. And if you have had an encounter with Jesus, if Jesus lives in you, you've got a story to share. So how do you do it? How do you use your story to make an impact? Let's talk about it today. I'm going to break it down for you. First of all, number one, confirm. Confirm your story. Uh, you have to confirm that you are, in fact, a follower of Jesus. I think that's the basic place it starts. You, you make sure that you do have a testimony to share. You know, and what I mean by this is that I think one of the reasons why some people don't share their testimony is because, quite frankly, they lack the assurance of their salvation. They, they doubt they've been saved. You know, maybe that's been you. Maybe you've been wondering, you know what, am I even saved? You know, am I really saved? Do I know Jesus? Am I going to heaven? Listen. If you have made a decision to follow Jesus, you can know for certain that you are going to heaven, that you've been forgiven, that you have purpose for living. God doesn't want you to wonder about that. He wants you to know, he wants you to know that. He wants you to have that assurance, that hope. In fact, look at this next verse, 1 John 5, 13. It's one of those classic like memory verses. You're looking for a verse to memorize? This is a good one. I write this to, I write this to you who what? You who believe. Okay, you who believe. Circle that word. I, I write this to you who believe in the Son of God, so that you may what? No, it doesn't say so that you may wonder about it, so that you can guess about it. He says, I write this to those of you who believe in the Son of God, so that you may know you have eternal life. So if you believe in Jesus, you can know for certain that you have eternal life. God doesn't want you to be unsure about that. You know, God doesn't want you to question that. You know, the problem is some of you have been, you know, trapped into this, uh, this religious thinking that your salvation is based on your good deeds, your good works, that somehow, well, now I'm not really a good person. Listen, your salvation is not based on you, it's based on Jesus and your faith in Him, His righteousness, not yours. You know, the only people that go to heaven are not good people, it's forgiven people, right? So here's the question. When did you first do that? When did you believe in Jesus? You know, when did you put your faith in Jesus and decide to follow him? For me, personally, it was Thursday night, June 13th, 1985. Senior week of camp at Camp Edisto in Branchville, South Carolina. On that date, I believed that Jesus was my Savior. I asked him to come into my life and save me from my sin. And I became a follower of Jesus. I became a Christian. Changed my life. Turned my life upside down. From that moment, I knew that God was calling me into full-time ministry to be a pastor. Changed my life. 
When was your date? I want you to think about that for a moment. I think, you know, if you're going to share your story with somebody, I think you ought, to, you ought to know. You know, in fact, there on your outline, I've got a little blank for you. It says, my salvation date. Go ahead and write that down. I think it's one of those things that's important to remember. Now, in fact, let me, let me prove my point here. I bet everybody in the room, raise your hand if you know your birthday. Okay, come on, you're stupid if you don't know your birthday. Okay, no, 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 it's a trick question. Everybody knows your birthday, right? That's kind of a big deal. Well, what about your new birthday? What about the day you got saved? What about the day that, that you could say, this is the day that I put my faith in Jesus and I have the assurance of, of a home in heaven? Listen, now let me say this. Maybe you don't remember the exact date. Maybe you remember the year, the month, the season. And you know what? If you don't have a date, let me say this. Maybe today is your day. Maybe you jot down today's date, January 7th, 2018. Because today's the day that you decide to cross the line of faith and give your life to Jesus. Today's the day that you decide to follow him. Today's the day that you realize, you know what? I'm a sinner and I need a savior and one has been provided. His name is Jesus and I put my trust and my faith in him and him alone and no longer in myself. You know, maybe for you, it was, it was more of a process and you can't pinpoint, you know, that exact day. You kind of have the, an idea of the day, but maybe for you, you remember the day that you got baptized you know, you remember that day because it stands out as that physical representation of your faith. That day that you went public, that you went all in, literally and figuratively. And you remember that day. Write that down. So confirming your story, I think, really is the first step in processing it and using your story to change the world, to make an impact. Number two, you do need to complete your story. Complete your story. Now, here's what I mean by that. I mean to literally write it out. Get out a sheet of paper and write down your story. Type it in somewhere. Think, think it through. Practice sharing it. Now, here's the really cool thing about uh, your testimony, your story. You just tell your story. You don't have to make it up. You don't have to be a fiction writer. It's your story. Everybody has a story to tell. Now, on the back of your outline today, um, I've given you kind of a, a little simple formula, a little outline to follow. First of all, look at the, over there it says, writing your story or testimony. Simple testimony outline. Number one, my life before Jesus. You know, just a few sentences. You talk about what your life was like before you met Christ, okay? Number two, how I gave my life to Jesus. What were the circumstances? How did you actually step across that line of faith? When did it take place? What did, what did you experience? How did it happen? And then number three, my life since I decided to follow Jesus. You know, you just talk about what a difference Jesus has made in my life. And then look at some of the suggestions and questions that I got there for you to consider as you begin to write and think through some of this. Number one, where were you spiritually before receiving Christ and how did that affect you? 
You know, your friends, attitudes, actions, relationships. Number two, what caused you to begin considering God, considering Jesus as a solution for your needs or as a savior? Number three, what realization did you come to that finally motivated you to receive Jesus? And four, again, specifically, how did it happen? Five, how did your life begin to change after you trusted Christ? What other benefits have you experienced since becoming a Christian? And then as you write, here's some things to remember. You know, be concise and simple. You know, you, you don't need a, a, a novel, okay? It might just be a page. Uh, avoid religious cliches or God talk, okay? Again, if you're going to make an impact in the lives of your friends, the people you work with, your coworkers, they don't need all that, all that junk. Listen, just talk like a real person. Be direct. Be to the point. Uh, the reality is it should only be about, you know, two to four minutes. Three minutes is ideal, and then you just emphasize, as you're sharing it with somebody, you could emphasize aspects of your story that would make an impact in the life of your friend. Now, I know some of you are sitting here today and you're thinking, yeah, you know what, Pastor Chris, but I don't really have a very dramatic story. You know, I wasn't on crack. I wasn't a stripper. I didn't get saved in an airplane by Billy Graham. You know, so you think, you've heard stories like that. And you're thinking, if yours is not something dramatic, it doesn't mean anything. It's not going to be impactful. Hey, what about this simple story? I grew up in the Deep South. I grew up going to church. We had religion. I was raised in the church. But at some point, I realized that my goodness was not going to save me. And I was a sinner too, just like everybody else in need of a savior. And so I bent the knee and I gave my life to Jesus and he has changed my life. You don't think that's a story that people need to hear today in the deep south in the holy city where people go to church but they don't know Jesus? Everybody's got a story. And what I've learned you know, over the years is that we all have different types of experiences. For example, you know, when you came to faith, Maybe it was a very emotional thing. I mean, just lots of tears, and, and it was very, very emotional. Or for you, maybe it was just the opposite. It was more intellectual. It wasn't emotional at all. C.S. Lewis tells that kind of story. He basically said that he went out walking in the woods one day, and during his walk, he just weighed back and forth about whether or not he should believe in Jesus. And he says that at the end of the walk, he decided to believe. Very intellectual. Lee Strobel, you know, legal editor for the Chicago Sun-Times back in the day. His wife becomes a Christian, and he decides to use his legal skills to disprove Christianity. But in the process of trying to disprove Christianity, he becomes a Christian, becomes a pastor. And you can read his story in the book, The Case for Christ. You can watch that movie now. John Wesley, founder of the Methodist Church, said that when he became a Christian, his heart felt strangely warm. That's, that's all he knew how to describe it. Or maybe, like this guy in John chapter 9, you had something very physical happen to you. You know, something miraculous. A healing. A near-death experience. A jailhouse conversion. And it led you to faith in Christ. We all have different stories. And your story is powerful. There is no insignificant story. There's, there's no small story of salvation. And God has strategically, sovereignly put people in your life where you live, work, and play who need to hear it. Here's why you ought to write out your story. 1 Peter 3, 15 and 16. If someone asks you about your Christian hope, always be ready to explain it. 
One of the best ways, one of the easiest ways to explain your faith is just to have your story ready to share. Your testimony. And it goes on to say, but do this in a gentle and respectful way. I don't think there is a more gentle or respectful way to share our faith and to share what a difference Jesus makes in sharing your own story. You don't have to be a preacher. You don't have to hit people over the head with a Bible. That doesn't work. I've never met anybody who has yelled at or argued into the kingdom. But I've met an awful lot of people who had a friend just share with them what a difference Jesus has made in their life, in their home, in their family, in their business, in their finances. Listen, why? why? Why is your story so powerful? Well, think about it. Because your friends, okay, the people in your life, believe it or not, they're interested in it. They want to know who you are. They don't mind hearing, you know, where you came from, why you live the way you do. In fact, from time to time, they're, they're interested in, like, you know, where do you get the strength that you have for the storms of life? How do you remain patient, you know, in, in a lot of circumstances that most people wouldn't be? They want to know where that peace and joy in your life comes from. They want to know what makes a difference in your marriage when times get tough. You know, why is it that you seem to raise your family, your children in, in a different path than others and, and it seems to work? Why is that? They want to know uh, what makes your finances work the way they do, your business, how you conduct yourself, how you carry yourself. And you know what? It's hard to argue with a changed life. It is. I mean, somebody might be able to argue with you over the, you know, several different proofs of Scripture, the resurrection. You may feel like you have to be more of an apologist to figure all that stuff out. But listen to me. They can't argue with your story. They can't argue with your life. How they can't argue with this blind man who once was blind but now can see. So complete your story. In fact, on the back of your uh, Connect card, there's a little box that you can check. I will write and share my testimony. Your story. In fact, if you'd like to, I would love to, uh, we would love to read your story, to see it. You know, if you feel comfortable writing it out and sending it to us, to the staff, you can send it to info at coastalcommunitychurch.org. And man, we'd love, to, we'd love to hear it. We'd love to read it. Number three, commit my story to God. Commit my story to God. Listen, after all, it's God's story in the first place. If it wasn't for God, you wouldn't have a story to share. So ask him, commit it to him. Ask him to use it in an impactful way. So what you do is you write out your story as an act of worship and then you give it back to him. You commit it to him. And when we do that, what we're doing is we're putting ourselves in a place where God can use us, where we can make an impact. We are, we are putting ourselves in, in an arena where we are ready and prepared to be used. I mean, just pray this prayer. God, use my story. God, I, I write this out and I give it back to you. God, open my eyes and my heart to see people the way you do. Where I live, where I work, where I play. And help me to be ready. You know, I didn't include this as the, uh, an impact principle for today, but it, it really could be a principle for this entire series. And it's this. If you're not sharing your faith, you're not growing in your faith. 
Because when you share, when you share your story, what a difference Christ has made, not only does it make an impact in the lives of other people, but I'm telling you, it grows you too. You know, sometimes people will come to me and they'll be like, you know, Pastor Chris, you know, I, I feel like my faith is a little flat right now, a little stagnant, a little stale. I'm not really making any headway right now. And one of the questions I'll, I'll probe with or I'll ask them is, um, well, let me ask you, are you sharing your faith? Because if you're not giving your faith away, you are not growing the way God wants you to grow. Giving your story back to God is one of those ways that brings passion into your life. Man, you want to ignite the passion for living, the reason you have to go to work every day, to interact with other people. It's, it's this. Look at, the, look at the passion of the Apostle Paul when he said this in Acts 20, 24. My life is worth nothing unless I use it for doing the work assigned to me by the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, what's that work? He says, the work of telling others the good news about God's wonderful kindness and love. Man, when you commit your story to God, God will use it in unbelievable ways. Share your story, stay faithful, and leave the results to God. You, you want a reason for living? You want to feel like you're making an impact? Then, you, then get prepared to share your story. And if you're prepared and you're willing, God will use you. So, who could you share your story with this week? You know, God didn't save you so you could just keep that to yourself. You know, God didn't give you salvation just so you can say, oh, this is so great and warm and cuddly and I love it and uh, everybody else, y'all can just go to hell. 1 Timothy 1.16. But that is why God has mercy on me so that Christ Jesus could use me as a prime example of his great patience with even the worst sinners, then others will realize that they too can believe in him and receive eternal life. And I like that. God basically says, you know what? You're an example of what I could do in the life of a sinner. And then once other people see that and hear that and hear what's happened in your life, it'll lead some to believe. Are you ready to share your story? Are you ready to be used by God? I heard somebody tell me one time, if you tell me a fact, I'll learn it. If you tell me a truth, I'll believe it. If you'll tell me a story, it'll live in my heart forever. Everyone in this room, you've got a story to share, a story to tell. Get prepared, get ready, and share your story. If you want to make an impact in 2018, write it down, confirm it, complete it, and commit it back to God. You know, this coming year in 2018, here we are. Uh, one of the goals of this church is to see 100 people give their life to Christ. Last year, we set a goal of uh, 52 right? The one sign lit up all those lights. Each one of those lights represent one person who gave their life to Christ. We said we want it to be normal. We want it to be an every day, an every week kind of a thing where people come to faith at Coastal. And uh, we reached that goal back in October and we saw over 60 people come to faith this year. This past year, 2017, 2018, we want to see 100. We want to double our impact. We want to see 100 people get baptized. Let me ask you something. 
What about you? You know, can you confirm that story? Is today your day of, of salvation? Is today going to be your new birthday? It can be. Listen, the death rate in this country, I like to say, still hovers right around 100%. We're all going to die. We're all going to stand before God one day. What have you done with Jesus? I mean, whether that's an emotional thing, an intellectual thing, maybe you've been kicking the tires for a while, why not today? What are you waiting on? If you'd like to talk with somebody about that, man, there's nothing in this world that we would rather do than to sit down with you and talk about what it means to be a follower of Jesus and to step you through that. You can do it today. And for those of you who've already made the greatest decision of your life, are you sharing it? Have you thought it through? Are you prepared? Are you praying, God, open my eyes and my heart to see people the way you do, to see circumstances and experiences, and God, I'll be ready. Bow your heads and pray with me. Dear Heavenly Father, God, I thank you today for your word. I thank you for this story in John chapter 9. And um, Lord, I thank you for the ways that you've weaved people in and out of my life who've made an impact I thank you for that man who came and stayed at uh, our house so many years ago and made this story come to life in my mind and in my life. And Father, I thank you for, um, I thank you for Jesus and how he has impacted and changed my life. And God, I just pray for myself and for this church that, you know, we would really think through that. You know, what truly was my life like before I came to faith? How did it happen? When did it happen? What were the circumstances? And then, how has my life changed? And I pray, God, that we would be ready, we would be your missionaries, you know, in everyday life, that the people we interact with, that we'd be prepared. You know, maybe, you know, maybe it's a piece of our story this time or another piece that time. And as we work with people and, and do life with people, we'll have opportunities to share different pieces of it but I pray we'd be ready. And Father, I pray for that person that's here right now who's ready today to make today their birthday, today their day of faith. Listen, it is as simple and yet as beautiful as a prayer. Man, just pour out your heart to God right here and right now. Maybe pray something like this. Dear Heavenly Father, today I want to come home. God, I do believe I believe that Jesus is who he said he was. I believe that he's your son. I believe that you sent him to a cross to pay for my sin. And God, I admit that. I have blown it. I'm a sinner and I need a savior. And I believe today that one has been provided. His name is Jesus. And so here today, January 7th, 2018, I put my faith and my trust in him and him alone for what he did for me on that cross. And not just through his death, through his burial and through his resurrection. And I believe it. I believe he's alive. That he conquered sin and death in the grave. And that one day, because of my faith in him, I will too. And now, God, for the rest of my days, as much as I understand, I commit to follow him. And just become more and more, as you see me now today, brand new, saved, forgiven, righteous, not because of me, but because of him. We love you, Father. We pray these things today in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen.
listening to a message from Pastor Chris Rollins of Coastal Community Church. For more information about Coastal or to explore what your next step of faith might look like, check us out online at coastalcommunitychurch.org. From Pastor Chris and the family at Coastal Community Church, thanks for listening.